Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the When Diplomacy Fails introduction to Season 3. Finally, we are back, and in this episode I'm going to introduce you to the changes When Diplomacy Fails will be undergoing in its current format, and why you should care. I'll reveal to you the exclusive details about the episodic schedule that we'll be following, and hopefully whet your appetite for more failing diplomacy and general audio happiness. In case you haven't realised yet, we'll be covering the period 1648 to 1699, essentially what history deems the post-Westphalian age. It was an era rife with splendour, diplomacy, great decisive events, and incredible figures and personalities that history just doesn't make anymore. We'll of course be covering Louis XIV and all the Sun King's greatest hits and misses, but we'll also be delving deeper into the period and hopefully revealing what you may not have known about the era in general. The importance of the Dutch to Europe, the maintenance of the Swedish Empire and the growth of Prussia, all were critical issues in the latter half of the 17th century that most are unaware of today. It is these issues, and many others, that I, your humble Irish podcaster-student hybrid, wish to shine light upon. Of course, if you've been with us from the start, or even just joined in relatively recently, you'll have seen the Thirty Years' War in all its terrible glory. Gustavus Adolphus, Wallenstein, Ferdinand II, Richelieu, Mazarin, Philip III and IV were all incredible people in their own right, who I had the pleasure of examining and bringing to your ears. We also saw the more interesting, controversial figures like Frederick V of the Palatinate, who made the choice to take the crown of Bohemia in 1619 instead of remaining a quiet German prince. Whether that choice sparked off a war that was all his fault, or was a long time coming, is a non-issue for us. The point is, it led us to where we are now in our When Diplomacy Fails timeline. Sure, we had to take a break to cover the July Crisis, but now that we've returned to the era that I began examining all the way back in May 2013. It's been an incredible journey. I've learned and seen so much, come across incredible people and wars and issues that I never imagined could have been so interesting or complex or gripping. The fact that I shared these wars with you, wars from ages ago, wars that don't feature on the typical school curriculum, wars that don't even get a look in on the History Channel, was, in some respects, brave. The fact that you guys responded so positively 
with such support and such a clear thirst and desire to hear more is, in all respects, awesome. It's clear that history should be taught in a different way, should be presented in a different way, and should be learned in a different way. The best history doesn't have to be mined for hours, tediously researching in vain to find an issue of interest. The best history can often be found in eras close to our time, that were so often glossed over in favour of something else, in favour of something more mainstream, something more World War II. Who knew that such a history goldmine existed in the era that is hideously unrepresented in media, in school, etc.? Most people have heard about the Thirty Years' War, but rarely do they fully understand it, its issues, its impact, or its characters. Most history enthusiasts recognise the year 1648 as significant. Some can't quite put their finger on why, but they know it's demarked by historiographers and those that like to put different eras in boxes for a good reason. Before 1648, though, blankness. In fact, after 1648 is mostly blankness too. Certainly, to most history fans, the last 50 years of the 17th century doesn't exist as something within their radar of historical significance. Didn't everyone fight a war against Louis XIV's France, they usually ask, over some Spanish crown issue or something? Wasn't Eugene of Savoy involved? Oh, and John Churchill, the Duke of Marlborough, wasn't he there too? Uh, Yes, you might say these things certainly happened, but they happened in the early 18th century. What happened before that? That is the question I aim to answer over the course of this new season. For 50 years after Westphalia, Europe continued to war against itself just as it had before. Oh sure, religion was no longer the central issue, but much of the other factors are easily recognisable as existing before 1648 in some shape or form. The balance of power, check. The desire for glory that only military triumph could grant, check. The all-powerful state versus the underdog, check. The merchant's dream state getting knocked off its perch, check. The desperate struggle for survival, check. The civil turmoil that suggested a regime change or worse, check. The growth of an empire, the pinnacle of empire, the decline of empire, the reinvention of what it means to be an empire, check, 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 and check. An imaginary switch was not flipped in Europe after 1648 to make war less frequent, less difficult, or less expensive. For the most part, Europe's rulers saw themselves in much the same light as their pre-1648 equivalents. For one ruler in particular, though, and the one that takes up the majority of our time, he saw himself as something completely different. Something unprecedented, and something almost godlike. Louis XIV of France is, of course, a figure that dominates the historical era from 1661 onwards, but a good deal actually happens in Europe before even that. Although the era of post-Westphalia is known for Louis, everything that leads to Louis beforehand is nothing short of fascinating. Thus, I present to you the schedule in rough terms for this third season of When Diplomacy Fails. Episode 26 will focus on the First Anglo-Dutch War of 1652-54. Episode 27 will focus on the Swedish deluges, as I like to call them, but what history calls the Second Northern War between Sweden and its many enemies from 1655 to 1660. We then look at the Second Anglo-Dutch War from 1665 to 1667 for episode 28, which actually draws in numerous other powers and provides a taste of what's to come for Louis XIV too. Then we'll examine the fabled Franco-Dutch War of 1672 for episode 29. To conclude the era, for episode 30, we'll examine what some historians have deemed the Long War, but which can also be called the Nine Years' War.
It will involve much overlapping and country hopping as we examine issues on battles and negotiations that ranged from the Siege of Vienna to the Glorious Revolution, and that will constitute our multi-part special for episode 30. For the record, we're closing in on 100 episodes in total since we began the podcast, so expect some kind of special denoting that event too. It's worth noting as well that the way I'll be delivering the episodes is going to undergo a small change. Already, I have a good batch of episodes prepared, but they'll be split up into two phases. Basically, the pre-Louis phase and the Louis phase, if you like. I do this because of my master's. I have pretty much ignored the advice of my parents, academics, and peers by pursuing this podcast for the first few months of 2015 instead of doing my dissertation. Don't fret, I'm not blaming you when it's all under control, I just want you to know that I care about you guys, and that I went to great lengths to ensure that you'll have my voice for at least 10 weeks before I go dark again for the sake of my dissertation and additional research. So here's what's going to happen. In the past, I would have released large, hour-long episodes that examined one war before moving on to the next. This time, I'm going to try something different, and we'll see how well it works out in the end. I've decided to split the seemingly less significant episodes up into multiple parts. On paper, because it makes practical sense, a lot goes on in each one of the episodes, and I don't want to have to compromise on quantity or quality just to fit everything in to a single digestible episode. In reality, though, and makes things easier for me. By doing what I did for the July Crisis Project and preparing things in advance, I can ensure episodes are released on a specific date and that the story continues without me having to worry about it. This means that even though I'll be in the depths of my stress as I travel about to find better primary sources, the podcast will still be actively doing its job and providing new episodes. I really liked that aspect of the July Crisis, that when it was planned right and I could sit back and watch the work I'd done weeks before be released as new content and not have to worry. Sorry to break the fourth wall about the whole thing, but I'm sure you'll understand it is a far easier way of podcasting than the way I used to do it. It'll also mean the schedule is far more reliable for you guys. Another thing it means though, and this is where you might be less happy, is that I have to splice the really long script up into, say, four or five individual parts. Meaning that was once going to be a two and a half long hour episode, gross, becomes five half hour ones. I have been told that when I reach beyond that half hour mark, my voice tends to drag and my enthusiasm wanes. I don't notice it myself, but I'm willing to try this different strategy here, mainly for my own selfish reasons but also to see if it does make the history more digestible and easier to listen to. Your opinions on this process are of course very welcome, and I'm going to get better at replying to your feedback, I swear. Thanks so much to everyone who has been fit over the previous hiatus, you've all been noted, even the moaners. This pod is nothing without you guys, and I'm really excited to finally feel like I'm branching out and going where no potter has ever gone before. When I started podcasting, in May 2012, I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea it would be so challenging. I didn't even stop to think about how it would interfere or conflict with my college work, or how working part-time in Costa Coffee would make me so exhausted. What I also wasn't prepared for was the extent to which the podcast has gigantically increased my love for history. The passion I had for it, the desire to investigate and bring out the issues that interest me, is something I hope everyone with even a remote fascination in history will appreciate and hopefully pursue themselves. If I can satiate in some way your thirst for historical fun, then I will consider my job done. 
My hope has always been that I'll be able to make you love the era, or make you more interested or passionate about eras that didn't even previously register on your historical radar. That's how I know I really want to teach. I want to teach people like you guys, though, people who seek my work out because you love it. It means the world to me that you listen and comment on everything I do, that you talk about me and spread the word. There are now legions of history podcasters doing incredible work for the history school and providing a basis from which all of us can benefit. The fact that my baby is going to be three this year further excites me, because with every new year brings new opportunities for me as a person, thanks to the response my work here has garnered. I could not have done it without you guys. So the Masters in a History of International Relations will be keeping me busy for the majority of the year, probably up until August 2015, which is when the dissertation is actually due, though I keep telling myself that I'll have it done by the end of May. You're going to notice some changes in Season 3 then. The work will hopefully feel more structured and easier to digest in its smaller, more focused amounts. I'll be likely experimenting a tad with some audio devices, and it's unlikely that I'll be abandoning the Gregorian chant in the background, since I love it so much and I don't really feel like I need an excuse to play it. So to clarify, we'll be releasing smaller episodes, there'll be a two-part season, with the first part not really containing Louis and the second part really containing Louis. The first part will begin very shortly after you listen to this. Keep an eye on the feed and the Facebook page for more information, but rest assured, the work for it is already done, so you won't be waiting more than a week. The second part will come. I'd like to say before August 2015, but I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. I have no idea how taxing this dissertation is going to be on me, so for all intents and purposes, I would recommend not holding your breath. Sorry. I have been quiet too long, history friends. It's time when Diplomacy Fails came back with a bang, and I can't think of a better era to choose than this one here. It's going to be a great ride, and I can't wait to see you all at the starting line. Any questions and queries can be directed to the email wdfpodcast at hotmail.com or the Facebook page under the name When Diplomacy Fails Podcast. Tell your friends, your relatives, your dog and your enemies that When Diplomacy Fails is back and tell them thanks a lot from Zach for sticking with us over the years. See you soon. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.